Praise the Lord. How many brought their Bibles this morning? Amen. Amen. Uh, you might have it on, this is the analog version, this is the electronic version, however you have it, it's fine, with, with, uh, it all works. Praise the Lord. I was in prayer this week, and God was sharing me, was, I was getting uh, some things. I actually got the title of my message on Monday. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and uh, sometimes God will give me a title, and then I'll, uh, he'll give me a message to go with the title. But it, it's interesting, because basically I was, I was thinking about these things. How many know uh, uh, the, at the new year, coming into the first part of the year, there was four things that God gave me uh, for our church and different things we were going to do and accomplish and stuff like that? And uh, this kind of kind of goes along with that. But um, the title of my message this morning is Embracing God's Assignment. Um, embracing God's Assignment. And um, it, it, it got interesting because when I started out, um, I've got more information probably than I'll probably give you this morning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to go over the stuff that, uh, that highlights what we're on this morning. Um, as a church, but as in, not only as a church as an individual. How many know when uh, we? How many been, are familiar with the term, um, the Great Commission? We find that actually you'll find a piece of the Great Commission in actually uh, all four Gospels and the Book of Acts. I'll go, go into it a little bit this morning. But how many ever understood that God had an original plan? Original? Can I, if I can say it this way, had an original commission. And that original commission actually is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. So if you get your Bible this morning, you can, you can reference that if you want to. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says this, it says, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. A couple of words, key words in there. He says, this is, this is, now, this is what God has said from the creation. Uh, 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 he placed Adam and Eve in a garden. Now, the garden was perfect in every which way. Uh, and in what God's intent was by, the, by this uh, word subdue was Adam and Eve were supposed to take, be multiply and advance from the uh, Garden of Eden into the rest of the world, which at that time gives an indication it was darkness. I'll show you why. It says, it says he said, go ahead and be fruitful. Be fruitful means to be productive in life. Uh, so everything that we do, it produces, it, it goes forward. It's be productive in life. And then he said multiply. Of course, we know that means children. Amen? And then he said fill the earth. In other words, fill the, fill the earth with our presence. He was talking to Adam and Eve in a garden, but he said fill the earth. The garden wasn't the entire earth, but it was to be filled from the earth. So this is God's kind of original, his commission. In other words, to fill the earth means to bring influence of his lordship. To bring influence of God where God is in heaven. Remember, he would come down and talk to Adam and Eve in, in, in the cool of the garden. And then he said that this was what he said. So we've been created, if we're seed of Adam and Eve, we've been created uh, to subdue. And that word subdue, this is the final thing he said, he said, go into all or fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue is a military word that means to conquer, uh, uh, conquer the darkness and chaos. Amen. Okay, you have that. So, so basically what God is saying from creation, he's saying, I want you to multiply, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to uh, you know, progress, I want you to be prosperous. He said, but I also want you to subdue the rest of the planet. Not just the garden, he said, I want you to subdue the rest of the planet. Amen. 
because basically subdue means that there's darkness, there's chaos, there's a resistance to that thing. Of course, we know the resistance came later with, with the serpent and, and, and beguiling Adam and Eve. But the, the commission, the original commission, if I can say it this way, the dream of God was always for us as mankind by his power, by his anointing to go ahead and subdue the earth. Okay, to go ahead and subdue it. In other words, so, so basically, how many would agree to me, with me to this morning that there's still darkness on the earth? Yes. Amen? <laughs> Some of you run across it. So that's an easy one. I mean, there's darkness, but to subdue it. If we take this and couple it with the commission that Jesus gives us, we give it a more complete picture because Jesus re not only reinforces what it says in Genesis 1.28, he adds, he adds uh, um, an expanded version, if you will, of what our commission as believers as a church. Because basically, uh, the, uh, in every assignment in life, I, I wrote this in my notes, in every assignment in life, there's an invitation uh, to excellence, creativity, and integrity. Those three things are, are, are an invitation in life. So I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, in every assignment, there's, a, there's an invitation for excellence, creativity, and life. Same thing when we talk about the commission, uh, commission or assignment. Now, I'm using the word, in, in my title, I use the word assignment because assignment talks about a personal, uh, uh, on a personal level. Commission is basically, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means a group that are assigned to a certain task. But, it is, but an assignment is something that's individual. I want to get both things this morning. I want to first give you the corporate, and then I'll give you the individual. Amen? Praise the Lord. How many, ever in the, how many have felt that they've, that they've been destined or they've been born or they've purposed for more than they really are sensing in this life? How many feel that, that, that there could be a greater impact of your existence, of your creation, greater impact of you right now on the planet? Amen? I think we all do, because basically I think it goes back to what the Genesis 1.28, or where God has originally uh, created us. Now, with one, give you that, let me tell you this. So let me fast forward, if I can, to the book of Matthew in chapter 6, where Jesus is talking about, remember the disciples came and said, Lord, uh, teach us how to pray. It's interesting because the disciples never asked Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. He didn't, they didn't ask, he didn't ask Jesus, the disciples did not ask Jesus, how do I live more comfortable? How do I make more money? Um, Jesus, what, what should I be doing? No, no. They asked Jesus one question. Now, this is a group of 12 men who watched Jesus and observed what he was doing while he was going from town to town, ministering to people, and they observed. After that observation, they came back to Jesus and said, okay, you know, teach us how to pray. To pray. So out of all the things that they saw, they saw the connection between Jesus' prayer life and the miracles coming forward. They saw that it, all they needed to do, if they could properly and, and, and pray like the master would pray, then the, basically they'd have the same effect that the master had. So they saw the key, the disciples I'm talking about now, saw the key to the th everything they needed through the prayer. So Jesus says this, he says them down, and, and of course he gives them what we call the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer. I have a problem with the title Lord's Prayer because it talks about sin and trespasses and Jesus in heaven. So he wasn't talking about himself. <laughs> he was talking about us. But it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Ah, that's where it picks it up in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So can, I, can we say without a doubt that Jesus was praying the will of the Father? 
So I can say from what Jesus has said, I know it's Jesus because it's in red letters in my Bible. <laughs> okay, but he says, your kingdom come. Ask the Father, go to the Father and say, your kingdom come, Lord, your kingdom come on the earth just the way it is in heaven. Let everything happen on the earth the way it is in heaven. In other words, let's marry the two things together. It isn't less earth goes up to heaven, it's heaven come down to earth. How many know the planet earth needs what heaven has? It doesn't need, uh, you know, uh, I mean, heaven doesn't need what earth has. Earth needs what heaven has. So we say, Lord, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Pretty good so far? That puts the th- two things together. That's even before I got to the commission. Uh, but out of the, but, uh, as we go on, uh, uh, Jesus begins to, to, to share. How many have ever heard the word apostle? Okay, you see in, in, in the New Testament, I just, want, I just threw this in my notes. I'm going to give you a little side, can I give you a little side note here, a little, little nugget? The word apostle, if you look, you only find it in the New Testament, by the way. But the word apostle actually comes from a Greek and Roman terminology. And what the word apostle, what apostle was in the Greek, both the Greek and the Roman armies, if you know, I, I know uh, uh, about, if you've studied history, ancient history, the Romans would go and conquer different nations, wouldn't they? In other words, they would subdue, all right, but they would, they would conquer for their own purpose and for their own emperor and so on and so forth. When they came into a town or to, into a country that wanted to oppose them, they would go to war. And, of course, Rome, with its superior uh, strength, would probably good chances of win that war, and they would be enslaved in the Roman uh, way of life, whether they liked it or not. Now, they had another option. If the Romans came in and they said, okay, if, if you want to uh, have a treaty with us, we, will can, we can make this thing peaceable, but you're still going to be uh, part of Rome. Now, Rome is going to take over, and you can do this peaceably. In other words, you can do this the easy way, you can do it the hard way. So what happens, whether it was done easy or hard, they had these people that were called apostles. They were leaders in the Roman army. And what an apostle did, he came into those places that were uh, uh, taken over by the uh, empire, taken over by the Roman Empire or the Greeks, whether it's when you're talking about. They were taken over. And their job was this. Their job was to get people accustomed to all of the, the, the culture that this new empire brought. And their job was to bring people up to steam on what this new kingdom, or if I can use that, or, or this emperor, was all about. So you can make a nice, gentle transition, and it was through the apostles' leadership that they were appointed to people to teach the people. If it was Roman, they would teach them all the Roman customs or Roman ways, what they expect from them, the taxes they have to pay, all the other things like that, and that was the apostle. But they, they got their life accustomed to the kingdom that was overruling them. In the, in the New Testament, this word is picked up by Jesus and he, in, in the same way. So what, what are we saying? Well, the apostle, if we take it from the old ancient Greek or the ancient Roman, uh, what Jesus is saying, he said, the apostles are the ones that bring the culture of the new kingdom, which we saw in this case, the kingdom of God, and teach it to the people so they could live peaceably and comfortably under the new, under the new kingdom. As a side note, I just threw that in there. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but because we're, we are talking about 
the Great Commission. When you talk about the Commission, you're talking about actually five different scriptures. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to read all five scriptures, uh, uh, but the fact is, how many know Matthew chapter 28, uh, uh, which is it's 16 through 20, uh, Mark ch- chapter 16, 15 through 18, Luke chapter 24, 44 through 49, uh, John chapter 20, 19 through 23, and Acts 1-8. Each one of the, but I, I was interested, so what I did, I went and studied each one of those things, and I, I, I learned something different. Each person, it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, each of them had a different piece to the puzzle. In other words, they added something to that commission. So what I did, took all the other language out uh, for just a, a second, just for this illustration, and I started marking. For instance, Mark, uh, Matthew 28 and verse 19 says, go therefore, make disciples of every nation. So what I did, I took the, 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 the duty, not the uh, effect, but, the, but what we we're supposed to do. In other words, the assignment. So here's the assignment in Mark chapter 28. Make disciples of all nations. All nations. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like Genesis 128? Subdue the earth? Because Jesus is saying, he says, he says, make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a learned one. So in other words, uh, take uh, the apostleship uh, to all the nations and teach the nations about my kingdom. Amen? In, in, in a term, subdue the earth. He says, and he, of course, he goes, he goes on further. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So in other words, we're passing on the message. It's not what we've made up. It's not what we've contrived. It's not what we think. God has given us the message. He said, now take this message in which I showed you. He said, now and take it and make disciples. Not converts, disciples. In other words, somebody who will sit down and willingly want to learn about the Lord and who he is. What's the difference? Well, a convert basically uh, uh, does everything you tell them to fulfill a certain uh, uh, poise, if you will. Nothing wrong with it, but this is not what he's calling us to do as far as the commission. We have converted. We have converted from uh, sinning in the world to uh, uh, Christians in the church. We've converted to that. I don't like that word. Uh, I'd rather say repentance. And when we say, oh, yeah, repentance, that's changing your direction. No, repentance, really, according to Romans chapter 12, repentance is talking about uh, a change of mind. Well, what we happens, we change our mind to how we feel about Christ. We change our mind about the church. We change our mind about things, and now we come in as his disciples. When we sit down, once we've changed our mind and made that decision, now as disciples, we're learning about him. We want to learn about the ways of God. What, what about this? What about that? What about? I get asked thousands of questions all the time. What about this, Pastor? What is, you know, what is, why, does, why does the Bible say this thing? Well, what happens? We're in discipleship. We're still learning the ways of Christ. Amen? So he said, do that for every nation. Uh, well, i just a small town pastor in a small ter- church in Key West. I says, well, what am I supposed to do? A guy sent me here uh, about 32 years ago. It'll be 32 years in May, I guess. Uh, 32 years ago, he says, he says, I want you to be an international church. That's what he told us, an international church in Key West. And I, I, I kind of like, uh, like snickered, but I knew God was serious, so I said, okay, international church. I didn't have enough money at the time to go across the street. I didn't have enough money to, to get in my car and drive to, to Key Largo, <laughs> international and sure enough, what happened was we had our church down on Eaton Street, and it was right downtown. And what I noticed is every Sunday there was a different, there was a different nationality of people that came through. I got curious about it, so I started asking people, oh, yeah, we have, um, uh, there, we have different tours that run up, that run, bring tourists into Key West. 
this last week was Germany, so a lot of German tourists came through, and we Germany, and then there was a, a, a tour group from Japan. <laughs> I think, you know, this is just how God would do it. I'm standing in the same town that He placed me in, and I'm ministering internationally without even leaving town. Of course, that didn't hold because he also uh, had me fly to Chile and, and, and Guatemala, different places, See, Jamaica. Jamaica was the first place I went to. And then, of course, uh, Ireland and, and, and London, England, uh, West Africa, Abidjan, you know, Ivory Coast. I mean, all these places right from Key West. So what happened? I had to catch up my thinking for what God had to plan, the plan for my life. If I pass it off as ridiculous, I probably never would have seen, seen those places because as soon as the opportunity came up, I probably would have passed them by. Amen? Because they didn't come across as clear words. Okay, go to the airport. Okay, buy a ticket. Okay, I'll, uh, and, and, and go to Miami and fly on this airplane. And the idea was like that. It was a, a guy calls you up. He says, listen, I got a, a trip plan. He said, wouldn't go along. I said, he said, with another pastor. I said, sure. Is it just to do it? He says, yeah. He says, uh, where are you going? I'm flying to West Africa. Great, let's go. How long are we going for? Four weeks? Yeah, okay, I take a month off. <laughs> like, no, I couldn't. <laughs> I said, like, no, are you kidding me? But I'm finding myself saying, yes, yes, yes. And he's asking me, do you want to pray about this? No, I already did. It, it, at the mention of this very same thing, I knew God wanted me, to, wanted me to do it. And of course, we did all those things. And of course, one thing after another, been to Israel, been all these different places, and, and right from Key West. And I've left right from Key West International Airport. I refuse to drive to, drive to Miami Airport. I will fly to Miami Airport, but I will not drive. <laughs> I'm not paying good money and miss my flight <laughs> because somebody wants to go slow on the tourist highway going from here to Key Largo. So praise the Lord. Anyway, but um, so to go ahead, every nation make disciples. So right away in the beginning, I'm getting an international vision that God has given me and, has, and now all of a sudden it's unfolding and God's making it possible. Pick up Mark chapter 16 is another part of it and it says preach the gospel to every creature. Now before you start snickering at that word creature it means every, every form of people again internationally. Preach the gospel. So what do we start out before? He said make disciples. Matthew said make disciples. Then Jesus said in Mark 16 he said preach the gospel. So what I'm doing right here, preaching the good news, preaching the good news of Christ, I'm supposed to go around the world, or always, that is the mandate of Christ from my life, to go around the world and preach this gospel. He didn't say, if you have the time. He didn't say, if you have the money. Oh, yeah, especially if you, did, if you have the money. He didn't say, no, if, if you feel like it. No, he said, this is, this is it. This is the commission. This is what we're doing. All right? Okay. Then he said something else in Mark, and this is, a, this is an important one for us right here at the church. He said, lay hands on the sick and, and they will recover. Wait a minute. The commission is a mandate, correct? You, you can't change a mandate. He says, lay hands on the sick. I know lots of churches that don't do, not, don't do this. Why not? Well, we tried that. It doesn't work anymore. So we just come up with the idea that it does, God doesn't do this anymore. It doesn't give you the right to change the mandate. What you see in the natural gives you no right to change the mandate whatsoever. You don't have any scripture based on that to change the mandate. The mandate is we lay hands on the sick. So at every service, we give opportunity for, for, for sick people to be healed. At every opportunity, we lay hands on people uh, that want hands laid on. We lay hands. We offer that all the time, every service, every time we come together, plus our prayer warriors and everything else that we do on Tuesdays, nights and Saturday nights and different things like that. Because why? It's been mandated. 
you may not agree with the mandate, but you don't have the right to change it. Nobody has the right to change the mandate or the commission that Christ has come and is part of the commission. And Luke goes on, he says, he says, uh, he says, and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Now we have another element, not just preach, not just make disciples, not just laying on the hands, not just preaching the gospel, the good news, but also be preaching this other message of repentance and remission of sins. That's another message that's mandated by Christ. So I did it. We've done several teachings on what it means to repent, what repentance is. Repentance means to change our mind. We put off the old way of thinking. We take on the new mind thinking. In Proverbs, it says this, as a person or a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You are what you think. I know you heard the phrase, you are what you eat. Well, your body may be are, are what you eat, but you are on the inside what you think. So if, you, if the devil feels, fills you with a bunch of insecurities, incompatible, and all this other stuff, then what happens, you will not only feel that, you'll also act, start acting that out. But it'll be starting in, in, in the mind and the thoughts. What did Paul say? He said in 2 in, uh, in, uh, in Corinthians, he said, cast down those thoughts and imaginations that exalt himself against the knowledge of God and bring them into captivity. He didn't say just throw them out. Bring them into captivity. Bring them into captivity until you can change your way of thinking until you can change those thoughts within yourself and get rid of them and bring the thoughts of Christ into that same area. Not just forget about them or push them back in your brain, but actually change your thought pattern. So we take that in captive, all those thoughts that go against the knowledge of Christ, we bring it in captivity and begin to change it right there. Now, what used to be in a stronghold against us now becomes an ally for us. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching, Kevin. Hallelujah. Keep on going. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And of course he said, behold, I send, I, send, I send the promise of the Father upon you. So God doesn't only just mandate what we're supposed to do. He gives us the power and the authority to get it done and the anointing to, to, to get it done. John chapter 20 uh, says this. I pulled this out of John chapter 20. Uh, and he says uh, in verse 20, uh, 21, uh, it says, As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. This is an important fact about the commission or about any kind of uh, assignment that we have. We got to know the Father's behind it, don't we? We got to know that God is in it. I don't know about you, but I'm not experimenting with the step out and see if this is God. <laughs> I know Peter tried that, <laughs> but it was just, I don't know what he would have done if, you know, he says, if that be you, Lord, bid me to come. Remember he was in the storm and he saw Jesus walk out of the water. He said, if, that be, if that's really you, then bid me to come. Well, what if the devil just told him, yes, may come. <laughs> I mean, but it was Jesus at the time. So I guess Peter uh, really, uh, really did it. And, and he, but he went on. I want the father to know that he sent me to do the things that we're doing. And I'll tell you what, I've watched so many ministers in Key West uh, start a ministry, go to, uh, get into a church or, or take a church assignment, and all of a sudden within months or a couple of years just give up and go someplace else. Oh, I've seen this, I bet you I've seen this 150 times in the past 32 years, at least, at least. And when I get occasion to talk to someone, they always ask me, so, how do you do this? How do you do this here? To do what? And I, I don't know. I said, I the only answer I have for anybody who, who wants to quit the ministry any place, whether Key West or any place else, is that you've got to understand that the Father sends you. If you can understand that the Father sent you, it won't matter a fly and flip what anybody else says. 
It won't matter what you see the numbers on Sunday morning. It won't matter if you know that the Father's in it and Father's behind it. You go, but you got to know that. You got to know that you're sent with the Father. That's basic of the, of the commission that Christ has given the church. You got to know that God is behind it. So I thank the Father that I have been sent because I had no connections to Key West before I came here. I have no relatives. I do now, but I mean, when I first came here, we had no relatives, didn't know anybody. Just showed up at this town, says, okay, I feel this is what the Lord wants to do, and just started. Um, I, first thing I did, we get a house to rent, and then, okay, now what do we do? And, and basically, we went to the next step and the next step, and God just bought, started putting pieces together. Didn't have a denomination to back me, didn't have uh, uh, backers, <laughs> financial backers. No, no, no. My wife and I, our entire financial future was depending on that very first meeting and the generosity in people's hearts <laughs> to keep afloat. <laughs> and we've been doing that and, and going on, of course, and we got this building and so on and so on and on and on. But I had to know that I was sent by the Father because everything is thrown in your path that looks like failure. Are you here? Uh, I like this. I heard, I heard this phrase one time. It said, if you're uncertain about your call, I'll get into that in a minute too. If you're uncertain about your call, then the best thing to do is run to the battle or run to where the opposition is. I got, I got Bible reasons for that because what happens is Christians a lot of times are looking for an open door. And let me tell you something. There's been a bunch of doors that God says kick down. They don't belong there. And if I had skirted them or bypassed them, it would have had a different disastrous result. Amen? No, we're not, we're not led by doors and we're not led by open opportunities. What we're led by is the voice of the Spirit. My Bible says that Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. Now, he healed, did, he, did Jesus heal the sick? Did he heal all the sick? Nope. We don't know why. I don't, know, I don't have the theology behind it. But the fact is, is Jesus went where the Father said. And he questioned what the Father didn't say, but he went with the Father said. So it's important that we know that we're sent. And of course, Acts 1 in verse 8 says this. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be what? Witnesses. It takes power to be witnesses. In other words, a witness just reports of what they've seen. Correct? I'm going to witness for Christ. I'm going to share somebody, Christ with somebody that doesn't know Christ, but I've seen him, so I'm going to, you know, what he's changed in my life, how he's affected my marriage, and so on and so forth, so I can share that as a witness. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you what God did for me when I went through that, so I can share that with you. And connect. That's a witness, correct? But it says here, it says, you shall receive power of the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of the me. In other words, it seems like to be a proper witness according to what the scriptures say, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though you have experienced, how many know a lot of people aren't going to listen to your experience, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit, even to share our testimonies, even to share the best things of our life, it's still going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. How many, how many has ever shared with somebody? So, well, you know what? I tell you what, you need God. God will just get you. I mean, I had that same problem, but God healed me. I, I had the same problem, but God fixed my marriage. I had the same problem, but I got, and they'll say, yeah, but. How many has ever run into a yeah, but? Huh? A yeah, but? Yeah, but that's you. That's not me. I, I'm just not that way. I love that phrase. 
when somebody says, they're just not that way. Well, good. Let me introduce you to a new creation that's never before existed so you can beat not somebody else's way instead of that way. <laughs> you can change that way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me this morning? Another thing I noticed, let me shift gears a little bit this morning in this. I noticed in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8 particularly, I noticed this. Jesus got his disciples together. There was 12 of them, correct? And he said this to all 12. He says, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received and freely you give. You can take that, those two verses and does that line up with the commission? Absolutely. Here's the strange part. I don't know if it's strange as much as this is how God works. Every one of those disciples he's talked to was a different personality, a different character, a different level of education, a different class of people. Each one of them was different. So each one of them, Peter wasn't going to approach this casting out devils and cleansing the lepers the same way John would have. John's going to be more caring and more of the pastor type, you know, and Peter's just going to go, oh, get over it, you know, <laughs> kick the guy and he gets healed or whatever, you know. He's got to, you've got all these different personalities to do the same job. And Jesus loved it that way. He loved the diversity of his own disciples so much. He said, no, you, you all are going to do this whole thing. You come up with your approach, but you're all going to be doing this. You're going to cleanse the lepers. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to lay hands. You're going to, and, 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 and this is what you're going to do. You're going to cast out demons. They're not going to argue with you. Hmm. But yet, in spite of their uniqueness, each one, they all came back to the one commission. I want to get that before I start talking about the personal, because there's a personal assignment that God has given us. Amen. Now, if somebody asks me about Key West, uh, you know, a young minister going, what about Key West? What do you think of Key West? It doesn't matter. First thing I'll tell a young pastor, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what Key West thinks. Okay? It's where is my spot in bringing forth the commission that God has dictated to me? And when does it end? Most, and I don't see most, that's probably not fair. A lot of pastors, a lot of, I'm talking about the pastors, the, the group I hang around with, but the fact is, is a lot of pastors have given up not because God told them to go someplace else, but because of the opposition they, they face here. Matter of fact, one guy shared with me in confidence, and, and, and so I'll, I'll remain confident, but he said this. He says, I said, well, why are you leaving, brother? I said, man, you got a good work going. I said, why, why are you leaving? He says, quite frankly, Heavenly said, I just can't see raising my kids here. I said, well, let me take that. Let's take that for example. What? What are you looking at of our town for raising your kids? Of course, uh, I don't want my kids hanging out on Duval Street either. But look at the positive, because my, kid, well, my kids were older when I came here. They, they went, uh, my daughter went to Key West High School and so on and so forth. I said, but look at what we have offer compared to a bigger city to where you want to get a bigger crowd. I said, here's what we got. I can forget to lock my door in the middle of the night and nobody will try to get in my house. I can park my car in the front of my house or on the street and have all four tires when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> my kids don't have to go to school 
and run for their life from some punk gang that's hanging out on a street corner. And then, matter of fact, I had to protect some of the kids from my kids. <laughs> if anything, no, I don't have that. We had the opportunity, but what all we could see was the negative aspects of where we thought God had placed us, but now I don't see it. And then take that with small churches on top of that, not expecting the crowds. Well, what are, you, are you preaching to the crowd? I said, that's, that's, that's man's vanity. That's what you want to see. Amen? Isn't it amazing that Jesus had 12 disciples, but he used mainly three? Peter, James, and John. Well, who was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration? I mean, this was a supernatural thing. This was, man, anybody would want to see this thing. But he brought Peter, James, and John. What about the other guys? Different call. Different purpose. Didn't need that particular experience with Peter, James, and John would. Later on, you'll find out they were called the Sons of Thunder. And those three guys turned Jerusalem upside down after Pentecost. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? If we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, the Bible says that's not wise. And this is what we do every day. We gauge our success with the Lord based on what we see in other places of what we consider success. Never realizing that success in the Lord is obedience to his word. Period. And obedience what he's put into our life. Amen? That's success. When you come to the end of your trail, if you put it that way, and all of a sudden you've done exactly what the Lord has told you to do. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Because the glory isn't stacked about what man can do. The glory is stacked upon you about what God has told you and what you have been a faithful servant to do. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. It says, but the God has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one. So let him walk. And so I ordain, and the word ordain in the New King James means to arrange, appoint, or prescribe to all the churches. I took, picked this out, verse out. I thought it was interesting in the uh, Passion Translation. It says it this way. May all believers continue to live the wonderful lives that God has called them to live according to what he has assigned each person, for this is what I teach believers everywhere. Paul was pretty sharp, but he said, this one thing I know. Now, as all the things, now wait, let me get this straight. Jesus picked Peter, James, and John, who were fishermen, he, to go ahead and stand up against the scribes and Pharisees in Jerusalem. That's like the religion Mecca. He took the guy who studied under Gamil, one of the top Pharisees of his day, was a son of a Pharisee. He took him after his transformation from Pharisee to Christian, <laughs> to Christ follower, okay? And he puts him over the Gentiles. I would have taken Paul, sent him to Jerusalem, because he's got the brains, he's got the education. And I would have taken Peter and said, you just hit that Galilean area of Mass where you're from and so on. So he didn't. He flopped him. He switched him. Not only that, Paul never even remained in the country. He, he goes to a prayer meeting one time and, and Agabus the prophet gets up and he takes his, Paul's belt and he ties his hand. He says, so is the man who wears his girdle will be taken to Rome. 
And the church started crying, oh, we can't lose another one, we lost John, we can't lose this, and go on and on and on. And, 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 and he says, why do you weep and break my heart? He said, you don't understand. This is God's calling. I'm not only willing to go bound. He said, I'll, I'll go free will. I'll jump at the opportunity. In other words, what he was saying. He said, no, I'm going to go there. Do you know they put Paul in prison? It was seven books, the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in prison. Well, in prison. <laughs> so they interrupted Paul's ministry. They lock him in Roman jail, and he just keeps writing the Bible. <laughs> he couldn't stop him. He couldn't stop him. Why? Because God found this Pharisee of Pharisees that was persecuting the church and just turned his heart and now gave him a call. There's three things I want to point out this morning before I run out of time. Three things. This is this gift, calling, and anointing. How many has ever heard those three terms? Maybe it's easier to remember them this way. Gifting is the ability. If we can be a God gifting, it's, a, it's an ability to do something. If you're gifted, you have the ability to do that. Calling is identity. Understand something. You're not called to do something. You're called to be something. That's identity. So the calling is your identity, but your anointing, hmm, that anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage, that anointing that sets people free, that anointing that heals the sick, that is your purpose. So your gifting is ability, your calling is identity, and your anointing is your purpose. And the Bible says in Romans 11, 29, it says, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That means they're not, they're not rescinded, ever rescinded. Amen. I say this, I'll say this again. Uh, sometimes we can tell where we're supposed to go in life by recognizing where the opposition's coming from and head towards it. I'll use, I, I'll use David for lots of examples, but David was there. He didn't have an assignment at the time to take out giants. He had an assignment to be king. And when he come across the opportunity of a giant, he just saw kingship on the other side of the giant and a fulfillment of what God had taught, prophesied over him. He would just, just went ahead and did it. If you notice in the scriptures in 1 Samuel 17, it says that he ran towards that opposition. He didn't stop and think about it. He was arguing with his brothers. One of the old brothers said, I go home. And if, he, if he got into the wrong battle, he would have missed the correct battle. So sometimes it doesn't pay to argue with people. You've got to get yourself in the wrong battle and miss the true calling of God. He ran. He got his ammunition on the way. <laughs> now that's a guy in a hurry <laughs> and he took out the giant and he went to the other side and David became one of the greatest kings amen praise the Lord I was looking at another story in 2nd Kings verse 2 how many, how many know the story of Elijah and Elisha this is one of my favorites okay Elijah the old prophet he's about ready to become to, his ministry is about ready to come to an end God tells him, he says, I'm going to show you. He said, go to Elijah. He said, put your mantle on him. No, he's going to be the next one in line to take your place. So Elijah has to find his replacement. He goes and he finds Elijah. You know the story. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and so on and so forth on the field. Elijah comes up and he throws this mantle on him and walks away. Elijah, Elijah picks up the mantle so you know exactly what it means. He runs after the prophet and says, give me some time. Give me some time. He says, I'm going to do with you. He says, go your own way. Take all the time you want. What do I got to do with you? He goes back. He kills the oxen. He pays off his workers with the, with the meat. He burns the implements, and he runs after Elijah. And he followed that man. And he followed that man. 
He made supper for that man. He did everything for that man. And all the time, Elijah's saying, I'm going over here. You stay here. No. He says, well, as the Lord lives, I am not leaving you out of my sight ever. And he would follow him. He'd go to another place. He says, stay here. I'm going. And it was several times Elijah tried to push him off. Nope. Lord says, I'm going to sit. Nope. I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to go. Finally comes to the end, and Elijah is walking with Elijah. And Elijah says, okay, I can't get rid of this kid. So he says, um, all right, I'll tell you what. Ask me what you want. What, before I depart, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. God's coming to get me. Before I leave, tell me what I can do for you. He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. He says, you ask a hard thing. Now, it wasn't a hard thing for Elijah to give. It was a hard thing for him to ask. Here's why. If you remember the story, he had a choice to make. Isn't it something how God always gives us a choice? It's something to do with our free will or something. <laughs> he always gives us a choice. <laughs> All right? So basically, Elisha had to choose, and the inner voice in him, what God was put, tugging on his heart, had to be even stronger than the directions from the prophet himself. Think about that. He's there to be schooled by the man, to take in his position, but he had to also bowl through all the rejections that this guy was put, put, putting up. Rejection after rejection after rejection. I mean, he didn't make it easy for him. Now all that, now he's getting a mockery from the 50 that's in the, in, in the school of prophets. They're mocking him. Oh, what are you going to do? And Elijah goes, now what are you going to do? Now where your anointing going to come from? And he just ignored him. And Elijah said, what shall I do for you? He says, he, says, he says, if you see me when I go, he says, you can have what you ask. Now we see two things. I said, God will always give you a choice. But the burning desire in Elijah's heart overruled everything else, and he focused, laser focused on what he said. If you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, then you can have that double portion of my spirit. You can have it. But now what happens is what he did not know is when they got to the place, a chariot of fire came down from heaven. And another thing was a whirlwind. If you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, what did God do? God put a choice. Are you going to listen to the word coming forth to grab that double portion anointing? Now, let's get it straight. If he missed it, he would have just been just like Elijah. With no double portion. He would have still been the heir. So all, he would have, all that was at stake in listening to this was a double portion. I want twice of your spirit. I want twice of what you got. But what happened was something came down there with a chariot of fire. But what's going on in Elisha's head saying, see me when I go, see me when I go, see me when I go. Because Elijah didn't go up in the chariot, he went up in the whirlwind. <laughs> and later on, Elisha would have seen the chariots of fire. Remember he said, open up my servants. I mean, he was in the same place and let him see what I'm, I'm seeing. And he saw the chariots of fire. But no, Elijah was taken up. In 2 Kings verse 2, verse 1, it says, And it happened, as they continued on and talked, and suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. Wait a minute. The chariot come by and interfered in between them. What did Elijah say? If you see me when I go, if you see me when I go. He had to actually see his sandals lift off the, <laughs> off the ground. 
and it wasn't going to happen in the chariot. So here was this distraction. Okay, if I look at the chariot, wow, I never saw a chariot fly. That's pretty cool. Oops, I missed the prophet. But he didn't. Because the inner voice, the, 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 the assignment that God had given through the word of the prophet, he said, I wasn't going to miss it. I'm not going to miss God's opportunity. I'm not going to miss it. I don't care what distraction. I don't care what those knuckleheads on the hill say. I don't care. I'm going to watch that prophet. And when the mantle came floating down from heaven, he reached down and grabbed that mantle. He rolled it up just like he saw the prophet do. He took that cape or that robe and he rolled it all up. And the, 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 the school of the prophets were mocking, what you going to do now? Elijah? What you going to do now? Oh, sure. You think, you, you think you're like Elijah. You're gonna, what you going to do now? He didn't say a word. He took that mantle and he walked over to the Jordan and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And when he smote the water, it split and he walked across on dry ground. Now the peanut gallery over here were at his feet worshiping him. <laughs> and he went back to Samaria and he ruled as a prophet. He had double the miracles minus one. Double the miracles minus one. So wait a minute, that's not quite a double portion because minus one. Ah, well, let's finish the story. So Elijah got sick and he died. They put him in a tomb. Some guys had a, they had a friend of theirs and they were burying him. And they were digging a hole and as they were digging a hole, uh, the enemy was coming to take him. They had, the, they had to quick take the corpse and they threw it into the tomb of Elijah and they took off and escaped. And when that corpse hit the bones of Elijah, the dead bones of Elijah, he sprung back to life and was resurrected. That was, a, that was the last miracle to make it exactly a double portion. <laughs> God's word will not be outpaced with our life. It will not be outpaced at all with the things that we do or whatever. I still bring it to pass. Amen? But there had to be a stronger sense within Elijah, okay, to keep a focus on what the prophet had said. This is his purpose and destiny. This was his assignment. There had to be an embracing of that assignment so strong that he would not even look at the chariot of fire, which had to be something magnificent. But he knew it. He wouldn't satisfy even his own curiosity to get himself off that focus, that laser focus of what the prophet said, because he knew the prophet said it's going to come to pass. All he has to do is obey. All he has to do is exactly how the prophet said, I just have to get it done. And when he rolled up that mantle, when he finally caught it, and he stroked, he knew right then, because he went back the same way he came. Elijah smote the water, they walked across on dry ground. He smote the water going the other way and walked back to where his assignment was and where God had placed him, and he remained a prophet. Amen? But he also, he also had a choice. Are we going to get looking at the amazement? Amen? Or are we going to go ahead and do what God says? Amen? I'm going to, leave, I'm going to close this one scripture. If you want to write it down, you can look it up. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Two words, ask or think. According to the power that works in us. What's the power that works in us? Is the Holy Spirit. So basically what he's saying, he said the two promises are ours in one condition. It is according to his power working in us to a degree that allows him to work deep in me. He will work beyond the reach of my prayers and beyond the reach of my imagination. How can I trust my own imagination as far as a vision for the church. 
when God can work beyond even what I can think about, even what I imagine? How can I even trust my own thoughts when God can plainly work beyond that? How can I even rely just on my own prayers when God can work even beyond that of what I've even asked for? Powerful scripture. Praise the Lord. Anybody get another word this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. I wrote a couple of things. This is is, uh, what we tolerate We will ultimately dominate. The things in our life that we tolerate will dominate your life. Amen. Full representation of Jesus and who he is in the earth happens when we become all he intended. Hallelujah. I'm out of time. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the word that you gave us this morning. I thank you for the hearts to receive that word. Father God, we give you, we thank you, Lord, that you bless our lives. As I prayed earlier, I thank you, Father God, that you lay, that you, we lay hands on the sick and they do recover by the power of your spirit. That word power means dudamus. It's miraculous power. I didn't have time to get into all the details this morning, but it's a miraculous power uh, that, that explodes with us. There's another, there's another uh, uh, word for power. It's also called exousias, and that's a different kind of power. That's an authority. God gives us the, 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 the rights or the exousias to become sons of God, so his children. That's another, another thing. But I, I, I pray this morning that we walk differently or walk I say differently. Let me say it this way. I'll pray it this way. We walk conscious of God's purpose and God's calling. And we also walk conscious that he can work above whatever we ask or think. And if we can live there, there's nothing impossible for what God can't do. Amen? But when we can't, is the church responsible for restricting the hand of God? Because remember, we are confessing his will be done in the earth. Well, how's his will going to be done on the earth? Well, wait a minute, God is all the earth. He can do whatever he wants. Can he? Because the deed title to the earth and planet was given to Adam in that far dominion. I can own a house across the street, and I can rent that house out, but that doesn't give me the right to walk in that house until somebody answers the door and lets me in. Otherwise, it's breaking the law. Is it possible that what Jesus was more than possible, but is it possible that God in our prayers gives him the authority and rights to come in our life and begin to change things? But he comes knocking on the door, amen, to be let in of the property that he owns. Still owns the earth, but he's given dominion and it's to man. Amen? <laughs> so, well, how come... God allows all these things to happen in the world because basically he gave the title Adam and then he's given a plan to Jesus that we can reflect back on him that brings God his will from heaven into earth. And that's the, that's the portal. That's the, that's the entry, entry place. Ultimately, at the end of that uh, thing, because uh, man doesn't have the authority from Adam to destroy the planet. really doesn't. But God does. Okay? So ultimately, without destroying it. So what I could do if I using a house across the street, I said, well, I'm done with that house. Um, I'll wait till they leave and get all their stuff out of there and say, okay, you're evicted, and I'll just torch the place. You won't have a house to go back to. 
I'm not going to do that, by the way. This is just, a, this is just an illustration. <laughs> Be careful my illustrations. But, uh, but, but that, that is the same thing. Then you, it no longer remains. But as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, God says, is going to happen. Everything that he promised to happen, as long as the earth remains, is going to happen. We have a choice of bringing him into, it, into the mix and running our life. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise. And everybody in church said.